Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open." and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed together fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I have heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So he hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The servant deceived me, and I ate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your presence with us here today. I thank you for all that have gathered, all that are watching. I thank you for your people all over the world. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that as we reflect upon these words, this foundational story within the stories of our faith, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us afresh this morning, that each of us would hear what you would have for us, in a voice we could understand that is clear. We entrust our lives, we entrust our world, we entrust everything into your hands. For you are faithful even when we are not. Your love sustains us, your presence is around us, your hands hold us. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, one of the interesting things about being a pastor, and I have been one now for 33 years, is you do a lot of children's sermons. Now, I have not done one in quite some time, and I can tell you one of the wonderful things, and I guess you would call it that, is that about a children's sermon is you never really know where it's going to go. Now, you have a plan for that sermon. But many times the kids, or is it the spirit, I'm not sure, they take it in a direction that you did not expect. 
And, and this is actually a true story. Um, it was many, many years ago. It was my first appointment in the Methodist Church. I'm not going to tell you which one because I don't want to defame the young man who may still be a member of that church who's now an adult. But I called the children to come forward. We're talking about creation, its wonders, and, and the joy of creation. And, and a, a large number of kids came forward. In fact, some of which who I thought were maybe a little too old to be there, but what am I going to do? Say, no, you can't come. So, of course, I, I let them come. And so I began to talk about creation, and they're looking at me, and I'm getting just blank stares. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this baby is sinking fast. And so I said, what am I going to do here? And I said, okay, let's, let's talk about the wonders of creation that you find in your own backyard. Again, nothing. And I said, okay, I'm going to describe some of these wonders. And I thought, what about the creatures that we all see in our backyard? And again, this is a true story. I said, you know, those little brown furry guys, they've got a long bushy tail. They climb trees and they save nuts for winter. Silence. I'm thinking, okay, it's time to punt and just move on. But, you know, I, I said, I'm going to try one more time. And again, I go with the description. You know, they're, they're brown, furry critters, long, bushy tail. They climb trees. They, they save nuts for winters. They're in your own backyard. They're one of God's wonder of, of creation. And finally, one of the older kids looks at me and he kind of smiles with a twinkle in his eye. And I thought, well, I hope this is going to save me. And he said, you know, Pastor Brad, it sounds a lot like we were talking about as a squirrel. But since I'm in church, you must mean Jesus. We were miked, and he knew it, and the whole congregation heard it, and you can imagine what happened next, can't you? Um, we, we could have ended the service right there. I wish we did, because it went downhill from there as the kids began to describe other things they found in their backyard, which we won't maim today. So what happened in this moment? I mean, were they just being ornery? Did they succumb to temptation? Uh, or maybe they were just tired of, of watching me flounder and they're trying to, to get out of this mess. I, I don't know. Or maybe it was something else. Maybe it is an example that so often in our own lives when we are in uncertain and uncomfortable situations, we are tempted to settle for safe answers regarding our faith. Ones, don't, ones that don't require us to dig deeper, that don't push us to take hold of maybe truths that are a little bit hard to grasp and hang on to. I think one of those is the fact that you and I are God's beloved children. And we live in God's amazing and awe-spiring creation. And yes, we are part of it. Last week, we began with a look at the beginning, and Glenn focused on how all of us and all that we know began with a foundation of goodness. This morning, we're going to continue that as we look at these great stories of our faith, and we encounter what I believe is goodness even within this story and this very human story that we call the fall. It's a story that I'm sure we all know well. But how much time have we really spent digging into it to really hear what it might say for our lives? For me, this is a story that is an archetypal story that speaks to a truth that is also a foundational reality within our human experience. It is indeed a story of temptation, but it's also much more because I think it speaks to a deeper truth about our human experience and our lack of belief, our trust in the blessings of God upon us 
in our original and most profound truth of being God's beloved. Or what others call, and I agree with, our original blessing, our original belovedness. But let's begin with the idea of temptation. It's, it's a pretty safe thing. I mean, we all experience it, right? I mean, I suspect everybody here today has experienced temptation. And I'm going to tell you that I experience temptation literally every day I come to work at Centenary. And, and before you freak out, I mean, don't, don't panic here. It's not all that bad. But one of our beloved, our trusted, our, our really helpful staff members, out of kindness and, and just hospitality, he puts these on his desk. Uh, these are peanut M&Ms. Um, not the bag, but he has a whole bowl of these things. Now I'm going to tell you, I, I love peanut M&Ms. For me, these are what you call a red light temptation. Because, you know, I, I see, I mean, if he had regular M&Ms, it'd be no big deal. But he puts peanut M&Ms on his desk and it's, it's there for anybody to eat and share. So I walk past his door and I go, oh, there's those M&Ms again. Oh, I don't need it now. I mean, I, I feel my belly say, you don't need that bread. It's okay. Let it go. Let it go. But, you know, as the day goes on and I may make a little hungry, it, you know, it's okay. maybe just one. I mean, can anybody really eat just one M&M? I mean, come on. So it's a whole handful. Maybe, maybe on my good days, I'll take three. And, and the reality is it, it's, it's a temptation that, you know, seems pretty harmless, right? Well, the truth is, if, if I were to eat handfuls of these things, every day, they wouldn't be so harmless, would they? There'd be more of me to love, so to speak, and, and maybe that's not such a good thing. Truth is, temptations are a reality. We all face them, don't we? And, and, and sometimes we look at these temptations and we think, well, that's pretty harmless, right? I can give in to this. I can have an m and when I feel like it. But the root of temptation is that you and I believe that we could be happier if only we had that which is tempting us. The root of all temptation is a belief that you and I would be happier if we could have that which is tempting us. It is grounded in an underlying belief that you and I do not already possess all that we need to be happy, content, and whole. Its power comes from a misguided belief you and, I will only be you and I will only be satisfied if and when we possess that which is tempting us, or might I even say possessing us. The other truth about temptation, which is disturbing, is that many times the things that tempt us are many, often grounded in something that is good, helpful, life-giving, and even beautiful. It then becomes distorted within our need or our misperception of who we are as those who possess God's original blessing and love. You see, I think that's exactly what we see going on in this text. In this ancient archetypal story, I really believe that the way the message translates this, it, it renders it in a way that speaks very clearly to this. The temptation begins. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? You know, as I hear that verse, I wonder, is not the seed planted that God is holding out on us? That God has not bestowed upon creation, including us, everything we need? The temptation then is enhanced by our fears as the woman or Eve responds, oh no, that's not true. God said that we can eat from all of the trees and enjoy them except that one in the middle. 
wait a minute, why that one? Why, it's a beautiful tree. Why can't I have that one? What's wrong with that tree? The, the seed begins to take root, begins to flower. We begin to question. God said that I can't even touch that or surely I will die. We begin to ponder, what does that mean? What is it all about? What does it say about God? The story then spells it out to the voice of the tempter says, God knows that you won't die if you eat from that tree. Because if you do, then you'll be like God. You will see what's really going on. You will know the difference between good and evil. Interesting, isn't it? How quickly temptation and the seeds of doubt can sprout within our lives. Well, I'm of the belief that even within this story, that there is a truth that is underlying that reveals God's love. Because I believe God's desire for us is that we fully understand and know the difference between good and evil. I believe that God's desire for us is to grow into our faith and our understanding of God's love for us and others so that we not only know the difference, but we also learn to see clearly how and when and where our choices and the way we act does harm to ourselves as well as to others. You see, I, I believe the story of the fall, which is often seen through the lens of human failure, reveals a greater truth about God's love and desire for us and all of creation. God's love, God's love that is without limits, continues to allow for humanity's fall, for our failure and for our rebellion, even though I believe it creates suffering in God's own heart. It's also a lesson for us. Because as we experience the consequences of behaviors or choices or decisions that we make, as we experience the failure of others, their betrayal, their promises that are not kept, we too then feel the pain of that failure in our own lives. This is a rhythm that I see both in life and our faith, but I also understand God uses it because it is by our wounds where we find growth and discover and experience transformation. We learn far more from our failures, don't we? Than we really ever do from our successes. I am told that when you break your bone, you break an arm, you break a leg, that where the bone heals, that bond is stronger than it was before. I'm also told that astronauts, if they spend a lot of time, months in zero gravity, the density in their bones begins to lessen. So what I see here is that the work and the pressures of life help us learn and grow to fully become who we are created to be. Now, I am not a devotee to the Batman movie genre, but I remember one of the lines from the movie. I don't even remember which one it was. And it has with a young Bruce Wayne as a boy, I think he falls maybe into a well and he breaks his bone or breaks his leg rather. And his father comes and rescues him and gets him out. And in the lesson of this very painful story, his father said, Bruce, as he looks into his son's fearful, hurt eyes, he said, do you know why we fall? He shakes his head. He said, Bruce, the reason why we fall is we learn to get back up. 
I think this story of the fall is not so much a blight upon humanity, but instead a way of seeing how God's love for us and for creation calls us to live beyond our failures. We are allowed or given the grace or the opportunity to choose to rebel, to make choices that may not be the best choices. Sometimes they're the absolute wrong choices. And then by God's grace, we are given eyes to see and hearts to feel and minds to understand. All this comes to us through our struggle with temptation and the consequences of our choices. But let me add that our rebellion and our struggle to become, I would say God's with a small g unto ourselves, is then also balanced and held within God's love for us and our growing understanding that we are indeed God's beloved. We are not cursed or shamed or broken beyond repair. We are deeply loved by our God. One last aspect of the story that speaks clearly to me about our original belovedness or blessing is found in the last verse of chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 25, where the first man and the first woman, both of whom bear God's image, reveal, I believe, the meaning and the power of God's desire for us to know God, know God's love, and to know one another. The verse reads, the two of them were naked and the man and woman were in God's presence and they were not ashamed or embarrassed. What they're talking about is vulnerability here. They're talking about trust. They're talking about intimacy. That God created us to share with one another. These words speak of vulnerability, a shared acceptance of one another. There is no competition or struggle for power or control. There is only a shared trusting love for one another and for oneself. Then the consequences of the fall are revealed in Genesis 3, verses 7 through 13, as it begins, then they saw clearly and knew they were naked. In other words, what I hear here is the realization that yes, they now see clearly, and within their sight, and what I would also say their awakened understanding, they now see clearly their differences, and they are threatened by them. They realize they're not always on the same page. They realize sometimes they have different ideas about how things should be done or the way that you should go. All of a sudden they realize we're not the same. We're different. And that becomes frightening. They begin to question who they are in their own beliefs. And instead of being vulnerable and say, let's talk about it, they begin to close their heart. Their trust is gone. And and the cut runs deep and it continues to run, doesn't it? In these verses, I also see it's not just our vulnerability with one another, but with God. God's original design for us is intimacy with God as well. I love how Genesis talks about God walking with humanity in the midst of the garden. I tell you today, God still walks among us. God still walks within God's creation, but we hide from him just as Adam and Eve did. We're afraid of God. We're afraid we don't measure up, that somehow God's grace may not be quite enough. We don't trust in our original goodness, our original blessing and belovedness. We run away because we're afraid. 
I think the original sin and the so-called forbidden fruit in my mind is this idea that God's love is not enough, that we don't have what we need to be complete, to be whole, to be who God created each one of us to be with our own differences, our own unique personality, our own unique gift to the world. And God holds all of this together. And God holds us together. I think the idea of original sin, which many times is considered a congenital problem, something that is inherited, that it's in, inherent in who we are, is not so much a genetic issue or genetic flaw, but a matter of the fact that we choose to rebel. It's not something we're born into, but rather it's something we learn from one another. I mean, think about it. My earliest memories are not always about the good times, but when I learned how to not necessarily do the good things, to not always tell the truth. Where did I learn it from? My friends. I have experienced, like, tell you about my daughter, her first cuss word kind of blew me away. She was four years old. I won't tell you the story now, but if you'd like to hear it, I'll tell you later. And she even used it in the proper context. That's the scary thing. You know, I think what this story tells us is that the only way to truly understand God's blessing and love is that, not that we're flawed, but literally when we fall to get back up, to unlearn this misguided understanding and live into who we are and realize again we are not defined by our falling, but in our ability to receive God's grace and to stand back up. I sometimes also wonder if the deepest truths don't always come from the mouths of the most vulnerable. I heard this story about a woman who had a four-year-old son, and I've heard similar things from my own mother. You know, boys, we, we like to play in the dirt when we're kids, right? We like to play with trucks and, and bulldozers and sandboxes and mud, and, and you get dirty. I mean, that's the way it goes. And the truth is, sometimes we still get dirty, don't we? And anyway, his, he, he, he did this every day, and, and his mother was at her wits end, and she said, Brian, can't you find a place that is clean to play every once in a while? I mean, do you always have to go out and get dirty? And Brian thought for a moment, and then he replied with the logic and insight of his four-year-old mind. And he said, Mom, if God didn't want us to play in the dirt, then why did God make so much of it? In this foundational story of the fall, I believe we see not our failures, but the depth of God's love for us and God's call to, yes, not be defined by the things that cause us to fall and stumble, but to live fully into who we are as God's beloved, God's children, trusting that our falling does not define us. The forbidden fruit we eat makes us human. But with the opening of our eyes and our hearts and our minds, we then see clearly who we are and who we are becoming, both of which God declared from the very beginning, not as good, but very good. We are not defined by the ways we fall. God's grace and love have given us eyes to see, hearts to feel and love and minds to understand all that God has given us to see not only ourselves, but those around us with the blessing of God's presence, God's grace, and most of all, God's love. I want to challenge you to do one thing when you go home. 
every morning, or maybe this afternoon, I want you to begin your day and I want you to look in the mirror and just look at yourself. Don't, don't do any of your hair yet or don't worry about makeup. Don't even brush your teeth. Just look in the mirror and say to yourself, I am God's beloved. I am God's beloved. I mean, if you really believe that, you can't say that without smiling. And then carry that smile and that message with you throughout the day. And not just say it about yourself, but see it in the people around you. They are also God's beloved. Why do we do this? How do we move forward? Because all of us must understand that every time we fall, we are called to learn to get back up. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.